This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So, Andrew Stanton is on this episode of Screenwriting Life, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Stanton's on this uh, episode of Screenwriting Life, and he talks about the um, the writing process of Pixar, and says how it was really inspired by Steve Jobs. And he was saying how when they write a script, it's more like designing a piece of technology or gadget than a storyline, because when you design a gadget, you um, you look at what works with a piece of technology. And then uh, you just remove it and just take it away, just chuck it away and just keep the bits that do work. Whereas usually with script writing, you you go in one, you don't actually, um, you have your beginning, middle and end and you just go in one direction with it. And you've got the story and you just streamline that story, streamline that story. But with a um, with the Pixar concept, she was saying um, they would just take small specific elements and just get rid of them really, really quickly. So, for instance, um, I think like Coco, you were talking about that. The location for that, they changed several times. And the scriptwriters were looking at each other thinking, the people they got on board to actually write it, they were thinking to themselves, well, you know, how can you just get rid of the location and set it somewhere brand new? But they've just radically changed things. And they just, they said it was a bit like coming up with an iPod or something, whereby they would bin ideas really, really quickly. So why would they bin them? Because they'd come up with another idea and it doesn't fit the direction yeah, they're going absolutely. in. Absolutely, that, that's exactly it. They would work out what would work and um, and then just, they basically, I mean, the, the very basic way of me describing it was um, they were really unprecious about binning things to an alarming degree. So the lady who, was, who hosts this podcast, Screenwriting Life, she'd come in, she hadn't done written with Pixar before and she was doing Inside Out and during their brain trust meetings, when they come together as screenwriters, she was just shocked by how much they just bin ideas. And she was saying, if you came up with a piece of technology, like she was talking about uh, the iPod or the iPhone, if the buttons didn't look good, you would just bin them. You know, if the micro parts of the microchip didn't look good, you just bin it and get something else to replace it. But she said, usually with script writing, you wouldn't bin things that quickly because ideas are too precious. You feel like yeah, they won't be absolutely won't be one around the corner. It's a lot of hard work. She's saying, if you just get rid of, if you say, let's, we don't need the mum or the dad. It's like, well, well, what happens to the kitchen scenes now? What happens to that family vacation scene? It's like, it doesn't matter. We'll just. She gave examples where. Yeah, they would just get rid of whole scenes. Whole, they would work out what would work. The only good thing about that script is that everyone's vampires. So we're just going to focus on the vampire theme and then just get rid of the whole family drama in the background because the only thing people are connecting to in the room is the vampire theme. And it was just brutal, the amount, of, the amount they would <laughs> cut things out and just chuck it away. And uh... she said a rewrite with Pixar... Um, isn't a rewrite it's a restart she kept saying that as well you rarely just tinkered with it and noodled it she used the word noodle 
you know, rewrite the object dialogue, do yeah. that. You'd always start it's from scratch every proper time. Surgery. Yes. Once again, like if you were um, creating a piece of technology, I don't know if that technology metaphor works, but when she described it, it made she said that in Pixar you don't write a script, you build a script. And she said the Steve Jobs legacy was really connected to that. I mean, I, I, when I watched Coco, the first eight minutes, like I said, so many plates, there's got so many plates spinning. And it's, yeah, it's so very impressive. slick. And very, it, very slick. Oh, my God. It's so slick. And it's so beautiful. And, yeah, after about eight minutes, I was like, nah, I'm going to give up. I'm never, ever, 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 ever. Ever, 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 ever. You okay? No, I'm so, I know. I'm literally just thinking, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, I know what you mean. I'm never going to be able to write that. Never. You just think to yourself, this is where I belong on the other side of the screen, eating the popcorn. I just have not got the brain capacity to join in with that game. Do you know what I did yesterday? I subscribed to Disney Plus. Oh, really? And okay, I had a, interesting. a so, because I just want to watch all the just all those uh, films oh yeah you've got all of them there haven't you well That's i've never even thought about now. disney plus i subscribed to it went in there and just went oh my god it's like a sweet shop oh endless stuff what's the first stuff do you think you'll watch what grabbed your eye what well, i watched snow white yesterday oh straight to the classics then yeah no <laughs> it's straight to the classics and um we're gonna watch a pixar tonight and i haven't seen i have I don't think I've seen Ratatouille, so we're going to watch Ratatouille. Oh, that's brilliant. Ratatouille. Or Luca. Is it oh, Luca? I haven't seen Luca. That's the underwater one. Yeah. Has Disney got all the Pixars on there? Basically, um, Disney, Bob Iger, um, who was the CEO before the guys in charge now, he went, the thing he did for Disney was that he bought loads of other brands into the Disney home. So he bought Pixar uh lucasfilm and marvel because originally disney had i didn't a, know that i didn't know that yeah i mean bob Iger is bob Iger is what was made disney this big conglomerate juggernaut now i'm looking up bob Iger. um because he decided he was realizing that disney was just surviving off old animation films yeah and they weren't able to create anything new and he said that to survive in the uh, why the weren't cinema, they why weren't they um in the sense that, um, what, what was he? What, oh, I'll tell you what. He was doing things like, um, uh, what, what's that one, Mars? We, we spoke about it, I think, about a week ago. Um, Andrew Stanton directed it, the guy. Oh, I know, Nemo. I know, I know. It was a bit of a flop, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, yeah. and, and from that, Bob Iger realised that if it's not well-known brand, it's not well-known IP, it's just ten times harder to actually get an audience in. Um, Can I say, David? Called? I'm looking at Bob Iger now. He's 71. Fucking hell, he's in good, good nick. Oh yeah, the man um, spends two hours on a treadmill. Does he? First thing in the morning, absolutely. Does first he really? He gets up on a treadmill. Well, doesn't it fucking show? Oh, Pardon absolutely. my French. He's got a chest like a uh, like John Wayne in his uh, in his peak. Is, uh, does he? Do you know that he, he spends two oh, hours on? Absolutely, he can't be um, spoken to. I did his masterclass. I've done the Bob Iger masterclass. I signed did up. Did you? For it. Yeah, yeah, big time. I, I'm quite 
taken by the t well i'm not that impressed he comes over when you when he actually does his master class he comes over slightly boring you know bit of a monotone voice type of thing and um steady because he might hear this i know it's, it's a bit god yeah i don't want to burn any bridges with bob <laughs> Iger. well i haven't i've built bridges because i've just said he looks fantastic absolutely i mean yeah that's where you, you go in places bob uh, Iger is an american businessman who served as the chief executive officer of the Walt Disney Company between 2005 and 2020. I tell you someone else interesting though. Before Bob Iger, it was Michael Einsner, E E I S N E R. He now um, owns Portsmouth Football Club. Does he? Yes, and he was the he was the owner of Disney. He's eighty Iger. and he looks in good nick. Oh, absolutely. He's completely in good nick. <laughs> He's amazing. He's a, he was in charge of Paramount for a while, and he greenlit all those big 80s films like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Then he took over Disney, and he's well known for being utterly ruthless. Is incredibly he? ruthless, yeah. He, was, he wasn't into uh, treadmills at two hours in, in the morning. He was um, a kung fu expert. <laughs> and he literally would have meetings with all his executives yeah and he would do kung fu demonstrations before the meetings this is absolute fact this is in his autobiography so he writes about it like it's a good thing you know this is like stuff don't to share burn with bridges you. don't burn bridges no, again i just love burning bridges oh, hang on you're right near portsmouth oh that's why he's always around portsmouth and is i he? want to meet him yeah absolutely his son is um so he's hands-on with portsmouth he's hands-on his son's always down helping to run the football club and it's like um what? a project it's like a hobby for him and the guy who used to run disney um now runs the football club down the road from me who which which of his sons My, uh is it breck or eric it's breck <laughs> Simple as that, because they talk about him a lot in the uh, where I work. They always they always mention him. He's always around and he helps out and very hands on. They own it. But Ryan Reynolds owns a uh, football. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah, who who does Ryan Reynolds? And that was inspired by Michael Eisner buying uh, Portsmouth Football Club. Wrexham. Right there, you go. And he's just somebody else, isn't he? He's co-owns it with somebody else. Someone else is big. It's almost like a little project for us. The idea of owning a football club's insane. It's like fantasy football come to life for them. It's like chasing Pokemons. Uh, Rob McKelney, actor Rob yeah, McKelney. Rob McKelney, right? Okay, he rings the bell. I'm sure um, if we Google him, we'd know. But yeah, Michael Eisner. Um, Michael Eisner was the Lion King, um, Beauty and the Beast era. Uh, which did well. He sort of injected new life into the sort of cell animation Disney period. But oh, Iger, is that around the same time as um, Tarzan? Yes, it was. Tarzan was a big flop, wasn't it? They they forget about was Tarzan. It? I thought yeah, it was Tarzan, the movie, I thought um, it was amazing. Tarzan. Yeah, I enjoyed. It. I remember seeing it in the cinema. Oh, I can watch animated. that. Well, Phil Collins singing. Yes, it was Phil Collins. They tried to take the Lion King format, didn't they? Like a big kind of classic um, pop rock ballad. Oh. With well-known stars doing the voices. Phil Collins. Tarzan's been completely forgotten about. You can tell instead of Elton John, you've got Phil Collins. Lots of drum solos as he's going between vines. I genuinely thought it was a great, a great yeah, movie. Yeah, I thought it was good. Pocahontas go. didn't do very well either.
It's got like Genesis beat to it. It has. I guess it hasn't quite. Is that from Tarzan, the movie? Yeah. I don't know if it's got that kind of timeless Disney feel to it. Do you know what I mean? Like Elton John's, you know, that big, more kind of operatic voice hammering out the circle of life. Are you burning bridges with Phil Collins now? I am once again. I don't think I'll ever be allowed into the house of the mouse with that kind of attitude. You can see why I've stayed in Sussex. I've never quite ventured into LA. Well, I really, I really love Tarzan. I remember watching it and I remember enjoying it. It must be a nightmare spending years on these films. It's like, you know, we've got Phil involved. We've got a cracking script. No one's turned up. Why? Tarzan, 1999. What? I thought it was was the early 90s. 1999. Do you know, a lot of people say 1999 is the best year of cinema ever. Because you've got um, uh, The Matrix. You've got Fight Club. There's loads of other films that came out in 1999. I've got a book here dedicated to 1999. There's a book um, that's just dead. That is just purely about the year 1999. How 1999 blew up the big screen. Best movie ever. Movie year ever. Oh. So you've got Blair Witch. You've got Election. You've got Sixth Sense. um, You've got Being John Malkovich. Truman Show was 98. But you had Iron Giant. Oh, and American Beauty. All of them came out that one year, 1999. And they say it's because it was pre-millennium angst. That kind of fear of just going into the new millennium and questioning reality and capitalism and our cultural system. And it, it brought back that kind of 70s nihilism and angst and things in that vibe. David, I'm loving doing this podcast with you. Oh, God, loving it. Well. I forgot all about Tarzan. <laughs> I literally thought about Tarzan. I remember the trailer for Tarzan. They really looked into the um, the drawing of the cells. You actually saw the artist, didn't you? And you saw Tarzan's hair being drawn and all that. It's like, oh, okay, this is going to be a top-notch stuff. This is going to be an Oscar winner. And it just sort of came and went. I didn't know it came and went. It absolutely stayed in my mind. I think 1999... Box office, $448 million. So it did all right. Yeah, God, that's all right. You would have got your money back. And, um, and then I mean, they're always great. 88 minute running time. God, that's short, isn't it? 88. I mean, think about it. you always remember the credits at the end of that. No, I think uh, it makes sense because Lion King was um, early to mid 90s, wasn't that? And then you had uh, Pocahontas, and I think Tarzan would have been late 90s. That would have made sense. 88 minute when... running time. Sorry. That's oh, no, 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 no seems... not at all. Yeah, 88 minutes. And when you think a Disney film, the credits go on forever. So you're probably looking at like um, 83, 84 minutes, the actual film. Oh, I wonder if that's because they weren't happy with... Yeah, they may have edited things out. Yes, they just kept chopping away at it. Oh, and the other classic thing is um, producers always want the actual films to be shorter and shorter because you can get in more showings a day. So when you think about it, Titanic... That's incredible that that made a bit, you know, it's still like one of the highest grossing films David, ever. I watched it yesterday. Oh, what's it like in repeat viewing? I love it. Yeah, I, love I it. like it. Yeah, I like it. I mean, so, I didn't watch yeah. it. I, I skimmed it, but I know, I know that inside out Titanic. 
Um, it does the job, doesn't it? It does what it says. Oh, I think it's great. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Titanic. first half hour is tedious with the the old elderly a lady. Watchable couple and all. Yeah, I know that's a bit. Um, that is a bit tedious and a bit sort of uh, saccharine. But um, the ending's great. Yeah. Would you, I, if you met a lady called Saccharini, how would you? And you quite liked her. How would you approach her? What would you say to her? She was an Italian lady called uh, uh, Elizabeth Saccharini. I would just immediately, I could just imagine, you know, those warm hazel eyes. I've already got a picture of her in my head. Do you know what I mean, she's lovely, isn't boats. she? Oh, she's an absolute joy. How would you know you, I mean? how would you say Elizabeth Saccharini? To get her attention, how would you say her name? Oh God, I think I put an accent in there. Go on, let's hear it. How would you say it as a gentleman? Elizabeth Saccharini. <laughs> I'd just add a bit more of an element to it. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't just go saccharine. No. Like I'm saying, you've got any saccharines in the Tesco mm -hmm. aisle? Yeah. It'd be like saccharini. Something um, like that, you know, Elizabeth Saccharini. Are you Elizabeth Saccharini? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's nice. David Edwards Movie News. Movie news for this week. Elizabeth Saccharini is quite a name, isn't it? It really enticed me there. Funny if she yeah, existed. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, movie news this week. Um, definitely an interesting one is... Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who's in charge of Lucasfilms, was interviewed uh, in The Hollywood Reporter. And Disney and Marvel, back to Disney again, Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, they're putting loads of money into new technology um, to bring celebrities back to life and also to de-age movie stars, which they've started to do already, like Mark Hamill appears in... Um, the Mandalorian TV series as like long, uh, young Luke Skywalker <sighs> from the 80s. But one thing they've literally just done is they've um, got permission from Stan Lee's estate. So Stan Lee can appear in um, cameos in Marvel movies, even though he's passed away. So that they're, they're putting money into that. And also there was a young solo film that came out, I'm sure you remember about five years ago, and it was a massive um, dud at the box office. And for the first time she's spoken about that, she produces all the Star Wars films and she said that she realizes that people don't want to see actors taking on the roles of these classic characters. So they're gonna pump loads of money into, because they've started doing this. Well, as in um, you and McGregor playing Obi-Wan, that. Yeah, I think people are okay with that because he started it with Phantom Menace. So it was all introduced. I know, I mean, not, you know, not those films are great particularly. But it was introduced early. But the idea now is someone else taking on Han Solo's role. You know, several decades afterwards, people just... Or the idea of a, a proper young Luke Skywalker. You know, if, I mean, in the Obi-Wan TV show, he's like 10. so it's And he's only from a distance you see him. Do you know what I mean? So, I so if they were to do a young Solo now, what would be their plans for it? How oh, definitely de-aging uh, technology. She said that. She's admitted that. So you'd have Han Solo's face, Harrison Ford's face, sorry, mapped over, which people have managed to do on YouTube. So people that have actually got very basic, uh, what do they call Hang it? Hang on a minute, Who, who's playing Han Solo and whose face is being mapped on it? Um, in the actual um, Solo movie, it's um, Ian 
But who, who will be? So you get a regular act. So you get actor in, and then yes. you will de-age Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is that his name? Sounds yeah, good. Harrison Ford <laughs> from uh, on another that space. So I mean, that, they didn't do that. They got an actor in for Solo, and she said that's why it was. A yeah, hit in but the that's office. what they'll do. For, and what about when Harrison Ford uh, passes away? Heaven forbid. Well, it'd be like Stan Lee in the sense that uh, Stan Lee's passed away, but he'll but, still be appearing in cameos in Marvel movies. So they'll just take of a young Harrison Ford from other movies. And, and then just insert it, or, or on someone's face. Well, the other oh, thing is... gee, I hate this. Harrison Ford, Let there's loads go. of photos of Harrison Ford's filming Indiana Jones 5. But there's not one image of Harrison Ford filming Indiana Jones 5 on location around Britain without uh, motion-captured dots on his face. Um, because um, he's going to be de-aged for the majority of the film. And the problem with that is like The Irishman, wasn't it, where Robert De Niro was de-aged for The Irishman. It's the Isn't that all you're thinking problems. about when you're looking at it now? Well, that, absolutely, because the body doesn't quite move. Let's write some new stories with new characters. Oh, absolutely agree. But Bob Iger, see, that's the negative thing about Bob Iger, isn't it? Whereby he bought all these brands, all this IP... So he bought Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and that turned Disney into this massive conglomerate. So it's, you know, the most powerful corporation going. It's not corporations, it's conglomerate, family corporations. But because of that, um, we're living in a nostalgia bubble, aren't they? Aren't we? Do you know what I mean? It's not allowing us to push forward into new things. So, yeah, he's created this amazing en enterprise, but you're stuck in your nostalgia dreams. There's no room for creativity there. You're quite right. You're totally right. Well, thank you for this week's movie news, David. Oh, uh, goodness me. Thank you for listening, for crying out loud. Thanks for sharing in the conversation. David Edwards Movie Review. So, this week's movie review is we used the old random film generator and we came up with three films uh, and you... You went for, well, you didn't went for, you picked Lost Highway. Absolutely, with David Lynch. You are what? quite, quite Take right. it away, your review of Lost Highway by David Lynch. Absolutely. So David Lynch, obviously very surreal experimental filmmaker. And um, if you're a proper film fan, if you're a proper cineast film fan, you know, you're um, into David Lynch. And, can I, can uh, I read something here, David? Oh, yeah, go for it. Someone's leave, left a message. They basically said, I cannot believe David hasn't seen Lost Highway. They were shocked. I know. that is. T I, they are quite, quite right. They are quite, well, that's what I was going to say about David Lynch. He is basically, he separates the men from the boys, doesn't he? You know, if you're a proper film fan, you're into Lynch. And it's got to be said, I do trip up with David Lynch. Do you know what I mean? I do have difficulties with him. I find like the first 20 minutes, it's like, oh, well, I can get into this. I'm liking the music. It, you know, it's all a bit surreal and out there. And the films, well, they call it surrealism cinema, don't they? It's, it's more about symbology. It's like a dream state, basically. David, do you thing. like your pizzas? Absolutely. I love my pizzas. <laughs> I like them in triangles. Don't you? you don't want some wrap filled with, I don't know, oh, exotic vegetables. Totally right. and you, you just want a fucking pizza. I mean, I don't know what a David Lynch meal would be. It would just yeah. be like a complete mess, wouldn't well, it'd it? It would be a wrap filled with spiders, wouldn't it? And Oh, totally crunching on their legs. 
you know, getting a, a spider's body getting stuck in your throat, having to like, you know, get rid of it with, with a pint of milk, it'd be a disaster. If the milk wouldn't be milk. What would it be? No, it would turn into, um, yeah, it'd be like um, sausage fat, which has happened to me in the past. Where I thought it was juice, and I grabbed it from a kitchen service and drunk it of a sausage fat. <laughs> Something absolutely horrific. Uh, it'd be painful but you'd learn yeah. something ironic at the end there'd be some <laughs> sort of ironic message about society at the end of it for you to sort of like you know chew over at the end of the day so what's lost highway about lost High- so lost highway they're quite right i should have seen it is the peak of lynch power at this point because it's late 90s he's done a razor head elephant man and wild at heart lost highway is stars bill pullman rosanna arquette they're living in la he is a saxophone uh, player in the evenings, and he's, mar- he's married to Rosanna Arquette, and she is um, a hell of a head-turning blonde bombshell. And you can tell that like he's you could self. Of... Sorry, what? Like you... I aspire to that Rosanna Arquette factor. Yeah. Definitely, that's what I get up in the morning, and I fail each day, but that's what I'm working towards. And um, you can tell that he doesn't feel he's quite good enough for her. So there's an anxiety there. He wants to live that rock and roll LA saxophone lifestyle and have the blonde girlfriend. And he has managed it. He's married her for crying out loud. But um, there's a scene where um, he, he plays saxophone late at night and he just goes crazy with his sax. He goes home and he has uh, he makes a love to Rosanna Arquette. But something goes wrong. I, I think maybe um, he ends the activity too early or he doesn't complete the activity of love too early. And then there's a slow-mo shot of her hand just very patronizingly patting him on the back as to say, oh, don't worry, type of thing. You can play the sax, but you can't play me. It's not the end of the world. We can't have everything. And then after that, everything goes drastically downhill. And they start getting videotapes through their letterbox uh, in, in, a, in, in an envelope. And um, the videotapes become more and more bizarre you know, someone's filming the outside of their house. They put in another videotape. So they've got being... some kind of stalker, have they? Absolute stalker. And then a bizarre person called the Mystery Man keeps turning up and talking to him um, at parties and other social events. And um, it becomes more and more dreamlike. And um, not not that this is a massive spoiler because it, it carries on a lot more from this and you get this information in a trailer. In one of the videotapes... He sees Rosanna Arquette murdered in bed, then suddenly um, blank blanks out, wakes up, and he's surrounded by detectives punching him in the face saying, you murdered your wife. Then he goes into prison and he's going to go on the electric chair. The next morning he wakes up and he's a different man. There's a different actor. Okay, let's... let's <laughs> I was completely... <laughs> let's, hear a, let's hear a clip from The Lost Highway. Go. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. What do you mean you're where right now? 
at your house. That's fucking crazy, man. So, did you enjoy the film? I would say, like any Lynch film, the first 20 minutes, I'm grabbed in by the atmosphere, the setting, and then it just becomes a gobbledygook, as you say, wrap of symbolism. And as you say, I'm a pizza man. I like my... I'm Jurassic Park. I like my cook boundaries. I know the ingredients. Yeah. Uh, you've got a T-Rex, a pterodactyl, <laughs> Sam Neill, and you know what you're dealing with. <laughs> I aspire to Lynch. I even did a Lynch masterclass this week to try and get my head around it. Did you? Yeah, you can sign up for it. It's yeah. a quick to do. And he went into the script writing of how he writes his script. I actually did two. I did Jodie Foster and then I did uh, Lynch. And Jodie Foster's very much about structure, little index cards, you know, uh, making sure um, every character's got a through line. Then you do David Lynch's masterclass. He doesn't even talk about index cards. He just talks about transcendental meditation the entire time. And he just draws... I bet you got annoyed with that. I, I, I bet you were like, oh, sod this. What That's a waste of money. Yeah. I start off like a, an aspiring Russell Brand and I end up like an annoyed Jeremy Russell Clarkson. Brand? Not Russell Brand. If Russell Brand is the man um, who was a heroin addict, then was a stand-up comedian and now is a meditator. Is that him? Mm. Yeah, I see That's what you it. mean. Okay. I aspire to that, right. you know, that kind of um, new ageness. And then yeah. at the end, I'm just a disgruntled Homer Simpson. Just like, what's this about? Right. It didn't even make sense. He, he just drew pictures of funnels going into heads <laughs> and going into more and more layers. And then he said to you, um, how do you meditate? It's like, right, okay, now you're going to tell me how I can meditate and then I can do my eraser head and become relevant yeah. in society and become an important person. And um, <laughs> then he says, you've got to get yourself a meditation teacher. And I said, like, oh, right, okay. So I, it's not something I can do in my lounge free of charge. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's just like... Um, did you did you subscribe to this because you wanted to learn how to write a, a decent movie? Oh, bloody right. Yeah, I just want to get that swear. Gold Please body. don't swear Sorry, on the podcast. Absolutely get rid of that. <laughs> Burning bridges once again with everyone, not just Disney. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want that Willy Wonka golden ticket. Do you know what I mean? Just sort of... Uh... So, Lost Highway, you enjoyed the first bit and then it felt like you, you wanted something a little bit more solid did you get your teeth into rather than a I mean, you know could you imagine watching a james bond film and bond waking up the next morning after an evening in the casino and it's not daniel craig anymore they've got someone else involved i don't know they've brought back timothy dalton totally <laughs> confused you'd rightly want your money back but with this I'm seen as an ignoramus. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so you feel guilty, bizarrely. You feel guilty. Right. It's being changed halfway through. So, you know, I'm confused and I feel bad about myself. Right. Okay. Okay. So I, I definitely say, still say three out of five. It's still well edited. Three out. So out of five choc ices, you give it? Uh, three. Three. I'd take three choc ices out of the fridge and I'd pass them over. To who? Um, I don't know. Actually, that's a very good point. <laughs> For the general public. <laughs> to me. To, to, yeah, to me. One to you and two children. Okay, so Lost Highway by David Lynch. Three out of five choc ices from David. Three out of five um, choc ices. A lot ices. of Davids on this podcast. There is a lot of Davids, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you, David. But not a problem. David Edwards Movie Tip. 
so this week's movie tip from you. What's your tip for this week? Definitely my tip for this week. I mean, one thing I'd say very briefly, I saw Top Gun 2 in the cinema very recently, Top Gun Maverick. That's definitely worth checking out. Um, proper nostalgia fest, but it's not just nostalgia. It's also a good plot and drama. They've done really well with that. Yeah. Definitely got really impressive aerial um, acrobats, yeah. um, whatever that stuff's called they do in the sky. Very impressed. Um, well-written script. The third act has got elements there you don't expect. Great scenes with Al Kilmer. So it's your movie tip, <laughs> Top Gun. It's <laughs> not. It's not. Sorry, that, that's me sort of like, um, here we go, movie tip. Here's your movie tip, Top Gun 2. That's a lazy man's. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hear that everywhere, yeah. Top Gun 2. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, here's a good movie tip, okay? The Northman. Now, The Northman came out a month ago in cinemas. That's Focus the- Features. That's who Is Brian and Charles. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's who Brian and Charles were. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Focus features, same people with Brian and Charles. Doesn't surprise me at all that because Northman, um, obviously, Focus features is well known for more kind of experimental, a bit more quirky style of filmmaking. Well, do you know what I mean? They meet the pizza eaters, to use that metaphor <laughs> with me, halfway. It's not a rat. So it's basically that Focus features like the stuffed crust of the pizza world. Absolutely. <laughs> They are totally the stuff. stuff. <laughs> what they are is, do you know when you go to Pizza Hut, you can get it in, in, in as a square, not a circle. So yeah, it's still, exactly. in <laughs> it's still in sections. I'm not confused. No, you know what you're dealing with. It's just like, oh, it's a bit different. Uh, totally. And I like yeah. that. You know, the same but different. I mean, David Lynch, you're like eating off the floor. Do you know what I mean? Type well, it, we, we, we've established that. It's a rat filled with spiders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a rat spilled yeah. with spiders. Crunching on their Pardon? legs. It's a, it's a what? It's a rat spilled with spiders. <laughs> it's filled with spiders, not spilled. But even odder. I mean, that is Lynch, okay. isn't it? It's spilled okay. with spiders. So you're Northman. It, so your tip is the Northman. It's directed by Robert Eggers, very much an auteur director of his own unique style. He directed The Witch. Then he directed The Lighthouse with Robert Patterson and William Defoe. And now The Northman. Now it's crazy because The Northman, we started off with Bill Iger, the whole idea that, you know, cinema is all about IP, brands, things in that vein. Northman is not a brand at all. It's a Viking mythology action film, but it's a very eccentric. It's very experimental in places. Are they brand um, new writers on The Northman? You know? No, they're not. Um, Robert Eggers right. wrote it, but also he wrote it with someone who's a poet called Sion. And uh, and you get the idea that it's got poetry elements in the dialogue. So maybe Sion is, is new to, to film writing, but it costs $90 million. Fuck, box office 60, 67. Oh, it's going to be a, it, But it's, a, it's crazy that anyone would put that amount of money on that horse. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. Do you know so why, I mean? is, why is no one watching it? Well, they because are, but why? Bob Iger element in the sense that um, it's an it's the example that cinema cinema's not dead. Everyone says cinema's dead, but cinema's morphing into a different beast, whereby um, people only want to go to the cinema for that uh, for an event, an experience type of thing. And it's usually they'll only make that actual trek to see something uh, like a franchise, a well-known name, you know, like a James Bond or a Top Gun, you know. And the Northman means nothing to nobody, and also. The dialogue is very sort of um, of the period. It's very historically accurate. There's some very bizarre elements. It's basically a um, rites of passage, hero's journey, um, Viking action movie. But it's very surreal at times. So you've got Ethan Hunt there with um, his young son. The young son grows Ethan up. Ethan Hawke. 
Ethan Hawke, not Hunt. Hunt, Ethan Hunt is the uh, is Tom Cruise's character. Mission. Oh, I really like Ethan Hawke. Oh, Ethan Hawke's great as a dad oh, at the beginning. He's and amazing he's like in Boyhood. In Lion he's... King, basically, a sort of like you know the king passing it on. Yeah. The son, but it's very surreal. They walk to a temple together because he's going to teach him about becoming a king. You think, well, oh, that's that's fine. Then out of the blue, the son and the dad go on all fours and become dogs and start yapping at each other. And um, like, you know, Ethan um, Hawke at one point has got a scratch behind his ear. He's, he becomes a proper dog. And then they both go to a bowl and eat together like a, a couple of terriers. And the bowl holds some kind of hallucinogenic drug. And then it just goes into a bizarre Jim Morrison door sequence. And William Defoe turns up with joined eyebrows like it's a caterpillar hovering above his eyes. Really telling this kid about his future, what he needs to do to become a man. And you just think, that's not for a mainstream audience. That's completely nuts. Mm. But the action is balls to the walls, Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. And you liked it? I definitely liked it. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. So The Northman... The Northman... Is this week's movie tip. You will not go wrong with The Northman. Great stuff. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd put $90 million into it. Okay, okay. Don't want to burn my bridges (laughs) once again. (laughs) Bridges are important. You've got to walk across them. If not, you become a very lonely man on your own. It's just you and... uh, What was that bull that Tom Hanks had, Wilson, left on the uh, desert island on your own? David random film generator right so this week's random film generator this is the film that you're going to be watching yeah oh yeah yes yeah. this weekend lovely stuff so i'm going to type in the old random film generator how was it sitting down watching lost highway was it exciting it was did it feel like homework not at all um, at the end, it's always, I mean, with the world of the internet, it's always fascinating because, do you know what is interesting? If I'd watched that back in the 90s on a video, I'd have felt very lonely and confused. But now you've got your uncle Google to uh, type into, haven't you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why yeah. I call Google an uncle, but, you know, you've got that close friend called the internet. That's what I mean. And you can do lots of research afterwards and it's explained to you. Yeah. So um, I guess yeah. you go down the David Lynch rabbit hole afterwards. So it did become fun, definitely. But I imagine if I'd gone to Blockbusters and got that in the 90s without the internet, yeah. or the internet around the 90s, but in a very early yeah. fashion, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd have been left very confused. I'd have put that video through the letterbox at the end thinking, well, what was that about? So we pick three films. And then um, I ask you to choose either A, B, or C, and that's the film that you'll Perfect. be taking. Right, so which genre, please, for the first um, one? Science fiction. Science fiction. And the year, which decade? Uh, new millennium, the noughties. And let's generate the film. Let's have a look. What have we got? And the film? One of the three films that you have to choose is Underworld Rise of the Lycans. Right, okay, so that's one of the sequels of the Underworld franchise (laughs) with Kate Beckinsale. Is that right? I guess so. I think that was directed by a husband, wasn't it? He went on to direct the Total Recall remake. Okay, the second film. Yeah. Genre, please. Thriller, Um, war, western, music, horror. In fact, I, can I pick the genre this time? You go for it, absolutely. Okay. 
Western. Away. Western. Let's go for it. And I'm going to pick the 1980s. Lovely. That's a nice touch. And uh, so let's generate Western from the 1980s. And that Western is. Tell me if you've seen it. Silverado. No, I haven't. Is that Lawrence Kasdan who uh, directed that? That's the guy who directed. Is that Lawrence Kasdan or is it Kevin Reynolds who did West, uh, Waterworld? I think it's Kevin Reynolds who did Waterworld, isn't it? Who directed Silverado. That's a classic one. Is Kevin Costner in that? Kevin Klein, Kevin Costner, Danny Glover, Scott Glenn, Rosanna Arquette, Brian Dennehy. It's got some names in it. It has. I'd be up for seeing this. And who directed it? Is it Kevin Reynolds? Who directed it? Was it Lawrence Kasdan? Lawrence Kasdan. Oh, it is Lawrence Kasdan. There you go. That's the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back and um, Raiders of the Lost Star. Yeah, The Big yes. Chill, Body Heat, Bodyguard, yes. Force Awakens, Raiders of the Lost Co-wrote, bloody hell. That's Silverado. That's got to be decent. That would be very decent. I'd be up for checking that out. And, um, okay, so the random generator. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to pick a genre. Go for it. Mystery. Lovely. From the 1990s. That would be interesting, definitely. What would that be? Okay, tell me if you've seen it. Presumed Innocent. Do you know what? I've, that's a Harrison Ford film that I've never watched. Really? That is very interesting, isn't it? Because he had his cropped short hair at the time. Yes. I remember my parents watching on video, and me, I think I saw the opening, and it was way too adult for me. Oh, but you're quite excited if... If that comes up, oh, I would be very, very interested because that was him trying to take his career in a new direction in the eighties. Basically, it's like the Fugitive, isn't it? Whereby I think he's accused of murdering his wife, but um, there's no running. Um, he's not being chased by Tommy Lee Jones, like leaping out of storm drains. It's just him sat in a um, in a courtroom, basically being uh, shouted at. I remember as a kid sat there thinking, "All oh, right, okay, Indiana Jones, let's get on with that," and me just thinking, "What is this about?" <laughs> okay, okay. So those are your three films. All I need you to do now is choose either. I've I've uh, shuffled them around. I just need you to choose either A, B, or C, and this will be the film you will watch in the upcoming week and review next week. A, wonderful. B or C. B. Silverado. What? Oh. <laughs> Get the pizza the oven. I tell you what, sorted out. I reckon you're gonna love that movie. I'll definitely love it. It constantly pops up a lot in like film books and like interviews and things like. That. I think it was Kevin Costner's first big role, not big role. I think he's like a co-star. But I think he pops up in the background. But Lawrence Kasdan's a big deal. Yeah, I'd be interested yeah. in seeing his stuff. That's, uh, do you know what? I wouldn't mind watching that. I look forward to hearing what you... David, it's, we've come to the end of the podcast. I absolutely adore doing this podcast. Oh, I do massively. I thank you very much. I've been giving homework. It's not homework. It's work. You know, it's stuff to view. Do you know what I mean? I've been looking forward to it. John Cleese is in it. Jeff Goldblum. John Cleese is in it? Yeah. Did not realise that. And Jeff yeah. Goldblum... 
So I guess the thing is, um, Jeff Goldblum would have been wouldn't have been that big at that point. He would have been like he'd maybe have done the fly and stuff like that. Because I'm looking at the names and I'm thinking, dear God, it almost like sounds like you know the day to day, all these amazing comedians coming yeah. together on one TV show. I think it yeah. must have been like that because you couldn't have afforded those people in the nineties. It must have just been lucky about finding talents before they became incredibly pricey. I can't wait to hear what you've got to think about it. What you think about it? I don't even know what the plot is. No, don't know anything about it. Well, David, thank you so much for uh, uh, this week. Oh, thank you. Thanks for your time. Great Hope you have a lovely uh, movie week ahead of you. Um, oh, I, ca- I can't do next week. Goodness me. Let's see. I might be able to do it from the hotel. Because I'm doing promo for my film. I know. I mean, quite amazing. And it would be a hotel room from Los Angeles. No, no, I'm in London next. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be impressive from London. If I can. Exactly. Live from London. London. Live from London, for crying out loud. (laughs) Well, if I can do it. If I can do it from London. Oh, I'll be up for that. Definitely. Fantastic. Bits of a, of a press junket for your own movie for crying out loud. The which reality you're of- in, which you're in as well. Goodness, I've got an international movie. You're going to be in Hollywood next week on the screen. That is so- Do you know what? I got a slight butterfly in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! You're going to be. He's crazy, isn't it? On yeah, a I'm big screen like- in Hollywood next week. Do you know you can't choose things that give you a bit of an electric shock up the spine? It's like, um, yeah, I had a bit of a biological reaction to that thought. Quite, quite bizarre. Yeah, the idea of my face appearing on screens around America with palm trees outside and execs in their Armani suits, and there's my pale quiff. What if they watch the film and go, do you know what? I couldn't give a fuck about this film, but who's that guy? You know, I think there'd be a part of my brain, a very small part, would think, finally, yeah, yeah. clarity. <laughs> Finally, the world's woken up. By the world's woken up, the rest of my brain will be thinking, Dave, no, this is a trap. They're going to try and just skill and trap your organs. This is a cult. This is Scientology. Uh, but there'll be a little whisper in my ear thinking, no, yeah. go with it, mate. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. It. You deserve up. it, fella. You deserve it's like it. It's a showbiz version of The Matrix. I, I wouldn't want you to have success like that in Hollywood. I'd, it's too much. I don't want you on billboards. I mean, it's got nothing to do with me. It's your life. <laughs> No, no, it's good that you're looking out for me, though, just in case <laughs> I did idea become famous. On a billboard. Do you want to be on a massive billboard? It depends if, if uh, the reviews are good and uh, it goes places. I know what you mean, though. Do you want to see a giant oh, version? What if you're in a, a new billboard? film called Colonel Twonky and you're Colonel Twonky? Colonel well, it just it depends if that Colonel Twonky's linked to Oscars. Yeah, what if it's like a massive hit and you're all over I'm like it? the Colonel. Yeah, you're Colonel Twonky. What would Colonel Twonky sound like? He would be a proper American like that. Don't you give me any of that to Twonky for crying out loud. I'm a Colonel. I'm going to take things Twonky 2000. Okay. You'd have a real kind of can do Twonky attitude. But you know what? There's a part of me that's already thinking, what would the sequel, sequel to Colonel Twonky be? Is it a franchise? Could it be a trilogy? I feel like Burt Reynolds would have played Colonel Twonky. Oh, God, yes. You can imagine him turning up in a convertible. And everyone at the beginning of the film will be wondering where Twonky is. Have you seen Twonky? Where's Twonky? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell of a film. Anyway. Oh, it would be, wouldn't it? Thank you very much, David. No, thanks for your time. Thanks for having and, a chat. Uh, Fills the day of a lot of glee. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Cheers. 
Take care. Look after yourself. <laughs>